Do you do strange things when you're hungry? Some of you know that I'm talking about you. You look like that flower that goes without water. When you start to go without food, you slow down. You become lifeless and no longer do these words start flowing from your mouth. You just kind of shut down. For me, I go the opposite. Maybe some of you can relate to this. I get bitey. I get mean. I'll get home, and Kim can spot this. My wife can spot this from a mile away. I'll get in, from, come in the garage door, and I'll start talking. She'll go, I'm not talking to you until you eat. Go eat, and I'll be like, ah, talk to the hand. Eat. We do some strange things when we're hungry. And we've been in this series called The Teacher for the past few weeks. We're looking at what does it mean, trying to learn what it means to have Jesus as our teacher. Because in the New Testament, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see Jesus addressed about over 90 times. And 60 of those times, he's referred to as the teacher. So we've been looking at that. What does it mean to have him as our teacher? And we saw that his story, this teacher's story, rests on very solid historical grounds. We see this teacher who understands us. We see this teacher who believes in us. And last week, Donnie um, talked about that this teacher has this perfect love and the perfect balance of grace and truth. And today, we look at this teacher and he's saying something that makes us scratch our heads and go, what? What are you talking about? Because he starts to talk as if he's a, like a health or nutrition teacher. So he's talking about our hunger and he can cure our hunger. And so we looked at that, and we're wondering, what is going on behind the story? Let's learn from this. And so as we do that, I want you to have Bibles in your hands. So ushers, if you'll come down this time. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to put one in your hand. You can go home with it. It is the church's gift to you. If you just need it for the morning, you can place it in the back on the way out. But Jesus says these words right on the heels of one of the most famous Bible stories in here. It's where Jesus comes in on the hillside and he's got his disciples. He's going to sit them on the hillside. He's teaching them or about to teach them. And the crowds come in, which was normal because the crowds had heard, the people had heard about the miracles that Jesus had done. They heard about the authority in his teaching. So they came and Jesus is there with all of these people, and he realizes that they need to be fed. And so he takes this little boy's lunch, and he takes these two fish and these loaves, and he uses his divine power to multiply it to feed 5,000 men, probably way over that number, feeds them, and there's leftovers, there's baskets of leftovers. And the crowd, there was this buzz about the crowd, and ah, oh, they were like, this is it. This is the prophet. This is the king. Scripture even says that they, they tried to grab him. Let's make him king. And you would figure, yes, this is the opportunity Jesus wants, right? This is the time. This is the place. What does he do? He withdraws. He escapes. He runs away from the crowd. He doesn't want anything to do with them. What's going on here? Why? Well, we pick up the story in John chapter 6, verse 25, and we read, When they, the crowd, found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did he get here? 
And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you're looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures for eternal life. Did I miss something? The crowds ask him a question, right? When did you get here? How did you get here? Jesus doesn't answer that question at all. Matter of fact, he's, he's kind of blunt. He says, I know why you're looking for food. I mean, I know why you're looking for me. I fed you. I filled your belly, and now you want another easy meal. You experienced the miracle, but you didn't see what it pointed to. You got your fill, but you failed to see what it pointed to. You didn't see the sign. John, the Apostle John, doesn't use the word miracles. He likes to use the word sign when he's talking about it. And signs point to other things. In a few weeks, I'm going to be traveling to Cape Cod in my car. I'm going to see lots of signs. And there's going to be one sign in particular that I'm going to enjoy seeing a couple times, and that's the blue sign that says rest area, right? Because it's going to make a pit stop. But I don't pull up at that blue sign and go, oh, the rest area, and use it as a rest area. Otherwise, you guys would be hiring another campus pastor because I get arrested uh, for indecent exposure or something like that. But signs point to something else. And Jesus is saying, you're failing to see the sign. I fed you. You love the filet of fish, but you did not see the sign. You need something so much more than what you're getting. You need something hearty. You need something with substance, he's telling them. And I experienced that this week. I was away at youth camp for the whole week with 20 youth, and they were having a blast, great teaching, great messages, but they have downtime, and they're running all over the place, and then they get hungry. So they run to their room, and I go in their room. I see them eating Skittles. I see him eating Nestle Crunch Bars and drinking uh, Dr. Pepper. I'm like, guys, you need more than that. Where are the almonds? Where's the water? I got these. <laughs> and then when the sugar hit, they're good for about 10 minutes. And then they're like, when are we going to dinner? I'm hungry. They're hungry because they grabbed what they wanted, not what they needed. And Jesus realizes what they need. They were hungry and they needed something with substance. We use this word hunger in many different places. We use it in different ways. We use it in the private sector. If you're with a corporation, maybe has a sales department, you may find yourself saying, ooh, the sales team is rocking it. They are hungry. They are nailing their quotas month to month. They're just hungry. We use it in the sports world. I would say my Celtics, they don't have the fire in their gut. They're not hungry enough like the Heat who won it. They're not there. They didn't have it. We use this word hunger. And Jesus comes upon this hungry crowd and he says, I tell you the truth. He's dropping some truth on them and a truth that we need to hear as well. And that is, my hunger is for more than food. My hunger goes deeper than my belly. 
You see, we can start to chase and satisfy our hunger many different ways. Some do it by attention. You might be the class clown or you were the class clown. You could have been the middle child like me. My family's always like, why do you need so much attention? Because every so often I will rear my head in different ways and I will say something just to let them know I am here. So it might be attention. For some, it's money. Never enough. And I'm with you. Like, we never have enough money, right? But it's beyond that. This is about when you do have enough, but it's never enough. For some, it's success. There's just something about being at the top of your field or maybe top of being on the field if you're athletic or a musician, arts, in the classroom. There's something, and it makes you work harder and harder and harder and harder. So it's not about doing well. It's something much greater. That's what you thirst after. Some, it's appearance. I was driving, I drive from Leesville Road to Durant Road where the church office is. I'm a morning person, so I get up early. And I called Kim the other week because I I was driving down 540, and the sun's coming in the window, and it's shining over my arm. And I was like, wow. I looked at my arm, and it looked like a washboard. You know, the old ones with all the wrinkles. There's just wrinkles all over here. And a washboard's fine if it's here. But it's not fine if it's here and here. And I said to Kim, I said, wow, I just want to stretch out all these wrinkles and tuck them and... So appearance can be something that we go after. There are so many different things that we look at to satisfy that hunger. But in the end, just like the crowds, we come up empty. They saw the miracles, but they didn't, they they experienced it, but didn't really see what's going on. And it's not something new. Through all, all of history, We see people trying to gain satisfaction outside of God. And so Jesus says here, do not work for food that spoils. But God also says it throughout the Bible in the Old Testament, in Isaiah, through the prophet Isaiah in chapter 55. Why spend money on what is not bread and labor on what does not satisfy? I.e., those are skittles. Those are cheese buffs. Those are Coke. They are going to wear off. There's something more. There's a real hunger inside you. And Jesus knew that our hunger is for more than just food. It goes deeper than that. And here's what he knows. He knows the truth that our hunger actually comes from our heart. Scripture tells us in Proverbs 4.23 that the heart is the wellspring of life. What does that mean? It's the home base. It is command central for all meaningful thought, feelings, and actions. The heart is it. This is where everything comes from. So he knows it's the wellspring of life, but he also knows, and we learned this last week when Donnie was here, that the heart, Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful, right? Apart from God, it's deceitful. And Jesus knows, here's what the heart does. Our hearts do one of two things. They either lust after what we do not have, lust, crave after what we do not have, like status, possessions, money. Lust after what we do not have, or fear losing 
what we do have. Jesus knows it's one of those two things. Our hearts covet, and it would do one of those two things. Here's the deal about that. If, if a coin could represent coveting, then lust and fear are different sides of the same coin. Because it goes this way. If you lust after money, if you crave money, then you will fear losing it or fear the thought of never getting it. Same coin, different sides. If you lust after approval, then you will fear rejection. Same coin, different sides. Flip it on fear. If you crave approval, I mean, if you fear um, disapproval, then you will crave the praise and the attention by others. If you fear pain, then you will crave a life of pleasure and void of any kind of suffering. See, our hearts covet. They do one of two things. And none of those things are bad in and of themselves. But they've got to be in proper perspective, proper relationship, because Jesus knows what rules our heart rules our life. What rules your heart rules your life. And if you're chasing the stuff that doesn't work, the earth's food, you're going to come up hungry all the time. And Jesus is saying, forget that. Ignore the physical food. I want you to chase after spiritual food that will last forever. And that gets the crowd's attention. Ding, 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 ding. They say, tell us. Here's what they actually say in verse 28. What must we do to do the work God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one that he has sent. They immediately go to, what do we do? What do we do? The truth is that you and I will move to satisfy our hunger. We absolutely will move to satisfy our hunger. We will move to uh, like, try to control our world to obtain that which we don't have. Or we will move to control our world to avoid that which we fear the most. But you will move to satisfy your hunger. The problem comes in is when we move without God because he will allow us to do that. And when we move without him, we tend to get in trouble. We tend to ruin things. You can ruin a marriage because you're looking for affection outside of where you should. You may ruin your kids or have a big impact on them because you want their approval of you. You want to be more of their friend than their parent. And so you tend to remove all of the boundaries that are good and healthy and loving to put in place to protect them. You remove them because you want them to like you. Disapproval. 
we can ruin the joy that we have. You can rob your joy because you're letting a person, a circumstance, just be all-consuming to you, and all you can think about is what that particular thing is, and you want to avoid it, and you end up trying to control your world to deal with that, and you end up in a spot where you're hopeless in despair. We're pretty strong, and we can try to control the world, but you get to that point, and we try to control. We try to do all of this to satisfy our hunger. And Jesus says, listen, the, the work of God is not about what you do. It's about whom you believe in. It's not what you do. It's in whom you believe the work is to believe in the one that he sent. That's me. I am the one. And so at a very fundamental base level, all spiritual growth and development in life comes from affirming that Jesus, you're right. You are who you are, and I need you. It's, it's that. That's, that's the starting block. All spiritual growth starts from there. But even when we step into the kingdom of God and affirm them like that, even as Christ followers, we can still get in this trap of doing things. What starts out innocently, like I just want to do my all in all as if I'm working for the Lord. So I, I have a desire for excellence. I have a desire for excellence. And somewhere along the line, that turns into a demand for perfection. And you have all of these rules and you're trying, and they're out of control and they're out of the will of God. And what you have forgotten is that same thing that gave you salvation and believing and affirming and dying to yourself is what he calls us to do over and over again. Die to yourself. And we forget that and we start to need to do Paul talked to the Galatians, uh, the Christ followers in Galatia. And he said in chapter 3, verse 1 to 3, he says, you foolish Galatians, are you so foolish after beginning with the Holy Spirit? Are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? We can fall into that trap even as Christ followers and forget that we have to die to ourselves over and over because Jesus is saying, listen, satisfying God does not come from what I do. It comes from whom I believe in. And so Jesus is telling this hungry crowd, believe in me, follow me. And you know what they say to him? They say, show me. Show me before I believe. I guess that feeding 5,000 wasn't enough, right? Having extras was not enough. They said, show me, then we'll believe. Moses fed our forefathers for 40 years while they wandered in the desert before they got to that land that God called them to. Moses did that, and if you're greater than Moses, then show us that. And I read that, and I was like, oh, we do that often. There, Jesus is saying, believe, and then see. But they're saying, I want to see first, and then I'll believe. I see this played out not only in my own life, but my dog with a biscuit. He needs to see the biscuit. 
before that dog will do anything. I try to fake him out, you know. Biscuit, Ben. I have to go up to the box. Biscuit, bed, bam. He goes over there. He wants to see before he does anything. And how often in our own spiritual walk do we want to see before we will take that step of faith? We want to see our circumstances change. We want to see us start to feel better before we take that step of faith. But the divine order of things, the way God wants it, is to believe. He calls us to believe in Jesus and then see where he takes you as Lord. And so Jesus responds to the little show me comment. He says, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I wish I could have been there and heard the audio of this. Because I really think it would have gone down like this. Jesus going, oh, do you, do you really want to talk about this? You really want to talk manna? Okay. First of all, it was not Moses that gave the bread to your forefathers. It was God, my father, that gave you the bread. And oh, by the way, number two, you said he gave, they gave, Moses gave. My father not only gave you the bread, but he gives the bread. It is still, look at verse 32, he, he's still giving this bread. And number three, that manna, that sweet tasting white bread sustained the physical body. Where are all your forefathers? Did it sustain them? Are they still alive? Listen, the bread isn't a commodity, he's saying. The bread is a person, and it's me, and I'm the one who gives eternal life. And the response, they said, sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. And then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. You see, God said it through Jesus. He said it again through, in the Old Testament through the prophet Isaiah. Same chapter, 55, same set of verses. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. You see, Jesus is God's full provision for me and for you. He is our all and all. And some of you have come, you're, you got that hunger going on, you've looked in all the different places, and you come up in the same place. You tried people, different experiences, different things, and you come up to that same thing, I'm still hungry. And you need to hear that there is hope. Some of you have made terrible decisions. You let your hunger lead you to make some terrible decisions. You need to know that there's hope. There's forgiveness in the past, and there's hope in his grace and mercy for the future. And some of you are on the brink of making some poor decisions. I want to say, stop, stop, don't, don't do it. He 
is the one that can cure your hunger. And some are just, I'm tired. I've felt empty. I've always been hungry. It's just the way it's going to be. So give him another, give him a chance. Come, wait on him. Don't wait on all of the other things. Come to this teacher who will cure your hunger. He was enough for the nation of Israel for 40 years to care of him. He was enough for those on the hillside with extras left over. He is more than enough for you wherever you are at, whatever you are going through. There is hope because there is life in Jesus Christ, the one who is the true bread. And the coolest thing is, is he gives you a new heart when you believe in him. And all of a sudden, your desires become his desires. And he starts to work with you. Oh, we can still be pulled in other directions, but he calls you to that spot to come. Follow me. It's all right, you're empty. I'm the restorer. I will restore you. I will give you life. The band's going to play. And you'll have a chance to sing as well. Some of you, I just encourage you to sing out those. Some of you just know this bread of life and you've tasted it and you continually go to him for it and you just want to worship him through song this morning. Talk to him. Give him praise. There are others that you understand all this stuff about chasing and maybe for you it's just Lord I understand hunger and I've never found the source but I hear that you are. And I don't know all that that means but I want to believe and then see where you take me from there. There are others that just I'm a follower of you but I'm forgetting to die daily to myself. Take this time, sing, talk to God. And uh, at the end of the service, as we do each week, there'll be a pastor down here. I'll be down here. We'd love to pray with you over whatever it is, whether you stepped out and believed in him for the first time or you just need prayer over a specific hunger that you've had. You want to pray about that.